You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast with Katherine Banco. I'm on a mission to celebrate breakthrough, empowerment, and shameless living in the lives of women everywhere. Join me and let's live unashamed together. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the perfect way to start. What's up, everybody? Welcome to, welcome back to the Heart and Soul Podcast. Um, it's been a minute since we have had a guest because we took this last month to do the Shameless Living series. Um, I hope you all enjoyed that. It was really fun for me to record those last year with um, the Ditch the Shame group. And so it was really fun to dig them up and re-listen to them again and share them with y'all and hopefully encourage you in a different way to live shamelessly. Um, But today I am joined by Lily Hewitt, who is also in Wilmington. She is the founder and owner of ILM Yoga Therapy here in Wilmington. Um, And she's a certified yoga therapist um, who has on a mission to help women with disordered eating. Um create a more nourishing life from the inside out. So I'm really excited. Um, if you listen to the episode with Callan wall, that's who connected us. So you already know it's going to be good because Callan's just amazing. So I'm so excited. Thanks for joining me, Lily. Well, thanks for the introduction. Wow. That was, that was great. Yeah. makes you feel, you're like, wow. I I like butterflies. butterflies. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, wow. I like, I like do a lot actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, um, yeah, we were just talking before we pressed record about how like, it's almost always better when I don't plan for these podcasts because, um, it allows like for natural free flowing conversation. And I'm really excited for that with you because I've never talked with you. (laughs) So it's like, really like, Hey, who are you? You know, and I get to learn as the listeners do. So that'll be super, um, I don't know. I just feel like more real. Um, so tell our listeners before we jump in, like who you are and what you do for women in love. Yeah, sure. Um, so as you eloquently introduced me, I'm a certified yoga therapist. Um, and what that means is I am certified with the International Association of Yoga Therapists, it's a mouthful, um, of which there are 11 schools of yoga therapy. My school is Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. And uh, my specific uh, modality, it's a um, holistic practice of body-based trauma-informed therapy. Um, We use the body as the vessel to drive healing and transformation transformational processing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do. And I specifically have gravitated towards women with disordered eating because, um, well, (laughs) the body is a big part of that. And, um, one of the pillars of our process as yoga therapists is a practice of befriending the body. So maybe that that might've felt uncomfortable for people to hear because it was for me at first too, but really just getting to know the body, a relationship with the body, reconnecting with the fact that there's something below our ears. Yeah. (laughs) Cause a lot of times that's, that's absent. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times we, in order to, or I can, maybe I can only vouch for this. Maybe you can too. But when I was trying to heal from my disordered eating, I almost felt like in order to do that, I had to ignore my body because I was so focused on, um, being so meticulous with it for so long. So I thought, okay, well, like 
focus on other things. Like don't, don't worry about your body. Don't worry about your body. Like over and over again, those thoughts were in my head to heal quote unquote. But, Mm -hmm. um, then when you actually find like true connection with your body through movement and through like emotion and mind, body, soul, all connected, that's when you're like finding, you finally find freedom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any sort of healing process, whether it's disordered eating or maybe it's like a common cold, like can get very heady. Oh, I take, take my cold medicine every six hours or, Oh, I'm, I didn't eat lunch. Got to eat lunch. Got to make sure I've got, you know, a balanced plate and all these things. And then, you know, well-intentioned thoughts. Um, but it's really the simplicity of being able to drop into the body and sort of slow things down. And that's what kind of opens the door for rebuilding that trust because a lot of times there, there's a very, um, uh, small amount of trust, yeah, <laughs> non-existent yeah. amount of trust, a lot of questioning about the ability mm-hmm. of our bodies. So, yeah, absolutely. So do you, what's your, um, I feel like women who work in that kind of realm typically step into that line of work because it's more like of a passion or maybe more something that they've actually been through. So would you mind sharing like a little bit about your past history with your body and where you're at currently with it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, generally speaking, um, and I'm going to step out on a limb and assume that maybe this is identifiable for you and listeners. Um, a lot of metric based success, like as long as I can remember. So, um, the, you get first place, you get a blue ribbon, you get honor roll because you make the A's, you get varsity because you're faster. Um, a lot of metric based worthiness and not knocking it. There's a place for it and it's really important. And a lot of my fondest memories are based on a lot of those experiences, the excitement of being a part of a winning team or uh, the excitement and pride I had being an honor roll. Right. Um, but Uh, in the context of um, your body, it was interesting. I was in a a training with um, Eat, Breathe, Thrive. Um, It's yoga-based trauma-informed resources and facilitation for women with eating disorders. And I was doing one of their trainings and they went through all of everything we're digesting every day. That is specifically when you boil it down is related to body image, um, advertisements, um, literature, um, TV, that's low hanging fruit, movies, low hanging fruit, um, uh, sponsored ads. Um, I mean, you just, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and I realized I got to a point, um, where, I was basing my self-worth on what my physical body looked like. Um, that's, that was like a guaranteed way to get attention. That was a guaranteed way to get compliments. That was also, um, and this probably is not a unique thing to say. It also was like a metric for like how successful I seemed mm-hmm. like, wow, you look great. You must be doing great. Yeah. Um, your aptitude to succeed the look you know, being able to fit in with whatever professional, social, uh, whatever group, 
there was. Um, and so it was not intentional, um, but it was happening. It was a way to keep up and it was a way to fit in and it was a way to be seen because it was a really easy way to be seen. Um, and really it was not until my body changed <laughs> that I realized, oh, wow, I was really leaning. I was re really leaning on that. I was really leaning on my ability to like, to flaunt and dress and look and just be a certain way. Um, and I say that humbly, I was never flamboyant, but like there was definitely a certain level of confidence there that then I realized wasn't. Um, so uh, yeah, and all of that sort of started like unraveling. And, and then of course there's the other life events that then control came into play with, okay, I can't control that. So I'm going to work out more and I'm going to control the way I look and control the way I eat. And, and, and again, continue to fuel these, these um, avenues that felt controllable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, control is the most common theme that I found from just speaking with women on their stories with body image is mm -hmm. feeling chaos in a season of chaos or um, maybe feeling like there's something in their life that's out of their control. So this is one thing that I can, I can make my own and keep it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's what happened with me too. I was feeling super anxious in a new job post-college and everything felt out of my control in my work environment where I spent most of my day. So the one thing I could can control is what I ate while I was at work and, how I used my time outside of work to work out. Like that was the two things that I felt were in my control. So I used that as like a crutch, but I really love what you said about metric. You can reword it if I say it wrong, but like metric based success. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What did you say? Yeah. 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 That was that. That sounds okay. right. <laughs> I, I um, have never heard it put like that, but that is such a good point that, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I spent my whole life really trying to succeed with through metrics. Like I found success in like you being on the honor roll, having a certain GPA, being on the winning team, if, especially women who have been in sports. I feel like there's a lot of like mental roadblocks with like metrics. And then on top of that, like you said, the media puts metrics on what we should, should quote unquote look like or fit into or X, Y, Z fill in the blank. Um, so yeah, I really, I, I really like being able to put that vocabulary to it. Cause that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like I, uh, yeah, exactly. So it was, um, it was when I was not able to fit into the lane of mainstream expectations <laughs> and beauty norms, which of course are always changing. So, you know, you're always pivoting and changing that sort of thing where I realized like, oh, wow, like, um, you know, that there's, there's, there's something here or actually there isn't something here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need, I, I need to create a little depth. Um, and that, you know, was that self-awareness and um, self-worth yeah. piece. So what, around what time was this, um, 
as far as like how many years ago or how long ago? Mm -hmm. And then what was like the, the turning point for you to be like, oh, I need to step into like active healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so like the awareness started coming up, um, uh, when I was in college and that's actually when I started, uh, started when I actually started yoga, like plain and simple, started going to yoga classes and started going one as a way to socialize with new friends. I was a freshman in college, making new friends. Uh, also great way to cross train and tone, go to a 90 minute hot yoga class and then go for a 45 minute run and like, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but started to recognize, um, you know, there, there would be something left after these classes, even though like the, the, uh, feeling of, you know, kind of just like, this is another workout and it's great because I'm less stressed, like started to, um, the opportunity to just be in those classes. It's undeniable, whether you're wanting to recognize it or not, like you are noticing your body more, you're noticing the needs of your body. You're noticing the responses of your body and it starts to integrate itself into your life. And that's sort of when I started to notice, um, that there, that coupled with, uh, I was actively going to therapy. <laughs> I started to notice that maybe it was a little less than like just a healthy lifestyle or so, um, a, uh, an abuse of healthy lifestyle. Um, yeah. I mean that I use that word very cautiously. Um, but, um, it was, uh, at a point when I was, uh, so this was about, this was seven years later. Yeah. And, um, I, my practice had transformed a lot and had gotten more mindful. Um, there, uh, I was realizing that like maybe fighting fire with fire, AKA high energy and anxiety and control with high energy, hot aerobic classes was kind of like not working. And I actually naturally started gravitating towards like a more mindful practice, realizing that also at the same time, I was thinking about like the trajectory of like what my life looked like professionally. And while I liked what I was doing, I saw myself more in a role of being a mental health practitioner. Mm. and um had the opportunity to do just a 200 hour not just I mean it's 200 hours but <laughs> 200 200 hour uh uh vinyasa um certification and in the midst of it we had one week in intensive uh where we were introduced to trauma-informed yoga and that's just like where it clicked um the opportunity to have the discomfort of being present centered to what's happening in my body and regards to my life was like equally uncomfortable and also equally validating. Yeah. Um, and so coincidentally as life happens and, you know, as much as my control wants to say, I can make things happen. Life has its own plans. And, um, a month after I graduated from that program and was really still stuck on this idea of pursuing the trauma informed, a practice of yoga therapy, <clears throat> I got laid off. And so it was like, okay, like this is an open door to make a choice towards yeah. what you really want to do. And that's when I started training with Phoenix Rising. Um, and that was uh, a four year process. And so definitely, and so it was a, a shift to the mental health um, practice of using the body for healing. Yeah. Wow. That is a long process, four years. That's like another 
straight up degree. Uh, yeah, I have over a thousand hours of trauma informed training. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a long time, but it was really, you know, I can't imagine going any slower, uh, because so much of it starts like here first Mm -hmm. and then, and then client facing and, um, uh, to be well-intentioned and present and authentic as a practitioner, like you've kind of got to pull all your shit out of the closet and you got to go through it. Let's deal with you first. Yeah. 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 That's, that's very true. And it probably makes you also more empathetic towards your clients when you're working with them to be like, I've really done the work too. So I know how like hard this 100%. is 100%. and I know how worth it it is as well. Like doing the hard mm-hmm. work is worth it. I have had so like one of my favorite things about movement and I coach fitness classes, but n- I am not a yoga instructor, so it's a little different. I'm more like, I do more high intensity classes, but my favorite part about coaching is watching like that moment of mental breakthrough happen, um, by doing something physical. And it's really cool to see at the end of class or maybe at the end of a hard week of workouts or, or just a hard week in general to see women, um, like crack in a good way, like crack during movement and be like, wow, I can like release now where all this like Mm -hmm. pent up aggression and anxiety has been, you know, storing inside me, like something about moving for 40 minutes really just helped me feel lighter Mm -hmm. and not in a metric (laughs) scale sense, but like, like a heaviness is released from you. Um, And so I love the idea of movement as therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also love therapy. I mean, you mentioned it too, like you were in therapy. Um, Talking is so important, but also moving and connecting with your body is just, I believe as important. So what, what is like a, um, oh, sorry. Did I cut you off? Oh no. I was just going to highlight and say like, that's spot on. And that's like the really beautiful marriage of of yoga therapy in the way that like I was trained to do it. Um, because you're right. There is that, there is potential for that. Like you said, crack, but there's that potential for like, uh, yeah, crack click awareness, like dropping in. Um, and that's real. That's a thing. And that's like the neuroscience back backing and research based portion, like the evidence-based portion of what, what I do as a practitioner. Um, that's real. Yeah. Uh, that's like a cellular level, everything you've ever experienced in your entire life, whether it's driving to the grocery store or whether it was emotional abuse or whether it was a car accident, like that is an energetic that is downloaded in your body energetically. Yeah. And your nervous system decides whether or not, or how they're going to live with it, how it's going to live with it. So the more it happens, the more your body creates, what's called a neural pathway, which is your brain's roadmap of how it operates the autopilot um and so yeah that's that's the opportunity where like you combine movement with like supportive and non-directive dialogue and you can kind of it's called like a bottom-up approach versus a top-down approach you're coming from the body and like letting the body have the space to like 
tell you what's going on. Mm. <laughs> um, cause a lot of times in those moments, like heightened anxiety, uh, depressive episodes, um, the control, like the, like all the heady cognitive feelings, they're so important, but how often I can say personally, I didn't know where they were coming from. Yeah. So then I really didn't know how to name them. Yeah. And the opportunity to have to move through them and just be open to whatever is coming up physically in the body, energetically in the body, uh, it's going to start to click. And that's that click piece. Yeah. And then there's the dialogue. So then you can actually like put words to it. And I mean, there's a phrase like you have to name it to tame it. Jill Shepard said that. I didn't say that. I'm not taking credit for it, but it's so true. Um, how, how, you know, the profound opportunity to say, oh, wow. Like that's why my chest gets tight every time I go into the office mm. because there's, you know, some sort of performance complex with your boss. That's just like a, a you know, kind of a, a general just made up example, but it's not an unrealistic example. Totally. I love, I've recently loved listening to like podcasts. I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as I'd like to be on it on like creating neural pathways and just like train, like almost retraining our brain to Mm -hmm. heal. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. It is. And the thing you are so like prone to reacting like, so if like, I don't know, heightened noise makes you anxious. Like your brain is trained to react that way when a loud noise happens outside your window, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a, it is a retraining of those neural pathways. And I'm similar, similar to you, where you said you would do like a 90 minute hot yoga class followed by like a 45 minute run as like a metric base. Like the more like, well, obviously if I add this up, the more I move, the more calories I burn equals the more I can eat or not eat, you know? So I used, I used to be like that too. And the lack of intention in the movement made that movement essentially worthless and, and a waste of time. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean worthless in like a, it wasn't effective in like creating muscles. I just mean like, I was churning the midnight oil to check this off my list. And then two hours have gone by and I've received nothing from it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and then you look back on, I, or at least I do, I've looked back on those years that I wasted training. I'm using air quotes here, listeners (laughs) training at the gym, but training for what, like to be Mm -hmm. a less social person, to be a less, trustworthy friend. Like that's what it, cause that's what it becomes when you're so obsessed with that type of control over your body, you lose what's really important. And Mm -hmm. so to like hone back into intentional movement, whether that's yoga or Pilates or a walk with a friend or a run or high intensity, whatever works for you, it makes you feel intentional. Like that's the most important part is like, I'd rather have 30 minutes of intentional movement than two hours of burned calories, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just went on like a rabbit hole, but I've been thinking a no, lot about fun. that recently because I had a baby this year and, or last year, but he's almost a year old. It's wild. Um, wow. and, yeah. And 
when you have a baby, like this selfish part of you, like has to go away. Like you don't have the option to (laughs) serve yourself in certain ways Mm -hmm. when someone needs you like to live so much. Um, and obviously that changed my fitness routine too. You know, like I can't just spend an hour and a half at the gym because my baby needs to eat (laughs) and like, like needs to, you know, be nurtured and, So changing like my mindset around fitness has really happened in the last year, like in a whole new level of like, okay, well, this is the time I have, how can I be intentional so that intentional with it so that I can be a better mom so that I can be a better wife so that I can have the energy to expend in my relationships. Um, so yeah, it's just created like another level of shifting, which, is why I really liked on your website where you, you talk about healing as like a process. Mm-hmm. Like it's never, you're never just like healed. I, I say that yeah. all the time. Like you have to keep healing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, um, you know, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, um, and what, really drew me to working with this population is there's so many layers to an already very layered process. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I work with women, girls, adolescents, and women, and an 18 year old might say the same thing that a 55 year old says. Right. Um, and it takes time because one, we are constantly digesting things that are telling us that our, our work is wrong. <laughs> um, we also are raised by generations that have been told their work is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, well-intentioned, healthy families. There's still that, that generational impact. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing too. It's, it's, uh, you know, epigenetics That's yeah. science. <laughs> and the, um, de- the depth that it goes into is, is beyond surface level. So you have to do the, the right, digging. Right, 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 right. And, and so it's, it's, um, and, and I also find it really important to note that like, I intentionally say disordered eating versus eating disorders, because also, there is sometimes shame around not being diagnosed. <laughs> um, again, so many layers. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the disordered eating, it goes into anxiety, it goes into depression, it goes into performance, it goes into worthiness, it goes into relationships, it goes in, it bleeds into everything. And so, yes, it is a process because it's a process of basically like, you know, you're, you're making a, you're not, you're not just making one change in a vacuum you are making a change that is changing the lens of your whole life. And that sounds like very grand and big. And actually it really is. Um, but so, yeah, it is, it's, it's a, it's, it's a process and it takes time. Yeah. Um, and it's really intentional. Yeah. So what does, like, if you were to have, um, a meeting with a client, like what would that typically look like? Mm-hmm. with yoga therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for a yoga therapy session, like before we even have a connection call, which is 
where we start, like a free connection call, uh, have, it's not extensive, but like a pretty thorough form that goes from everything to like, where are you from? To tell me about your relationship with your body. Open-ended, no expectations, just like breaking the ice. Um, when we work together, there are um, generally, it's loosely based on like six phases. And that's, I say that generally and loosely because it's client-based. That's like the really neat and unique part about the type of yoga therapy that I practice. It's client-based, is based on you as a person that day in that session, what you need and your goals for working with me. So there's no like preconceived idea of what we're going to do. Mm. Um, but we're going to check in. We're going to see how things are going. That intake portion, we're going to uh, get into the body. So literally just like some movement creating, you know, getting blood pumping. I call it the emotional garbage disposal. Like we're just going to like shake off anything that's like kind of just like getting in the way um, of like what's really there going to start to drop into the body. That means just like intentional breathing and breath work, getting into postures, um, getting into noticing and awareness of physical sensation. And then we're going to sit there. We're going to sit there, whether it's in six postures, whether it's in one posture, when I say postures, it might be like, you're just sitting. Um, it's not a yoga class. It's not a sequence and it's not like standing on your head for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, so that opportunity though, again, is that slow intentional opportunity to feel sensations and notice your body's response to the sensations. Notice the way your energy changes. Notice where your thoughts go. Notice where your thoughts don't go. Notice how your breath changes. So creating that uh, connection, literally the mind-body connection, it helps you get to the root of really what's what's coming up for you because our brains like to create all these distractions of all these other problems that really are just distracting us from like what's really there. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the session, kind of making, allowing and creating the time for you, the client to make those connections. And then like, okay, what do you do with that awareness now? Because you're a different person now than you were 90 minutes ago. <laughs> um, so what do you do to honor that awareness? Is it doing something or is it not doing something? And then my role as a practitioner is all along the way to hold a compassionate, uh, unconditionally positive uh, space for you to have this self-exploration, supporting you through the process with non-directive dialogue. And then how can I be supportive now that you're at this place of action? Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the pieces that I, that I also add in. I offer you know, myself for like, you know, as, as needed between sessions, because I do think it's important and integration can take, can take time. Sometimes it doesn't come up then you need to sit with it. You need to be with it and marinate in it. So. That's so cool. I love that so much. And so mm. I like what you said too, about just creating like a compassionate, unconditional love sort of space, because it's often in the pressures of our like day to day that we can't find that connection because our mind is so crowded or we feel mm -hmm. so judged or we feel shame or whatnot. So to have that space that's just like free is rare and really cool. It's also that. super edgy because I mean, just like give yourself the opportunity to think of 
times when you've been able to be like unconditionally accepted or vulnerable or free to be you like it's it's very hard to find um and it can be uncomfortable because it's very because then again it's like am I doing this right um or oh gosh like am I a nutcase (laughs) you know there's that it's like I don't want you to think I'm crazy but you know and it's and and getting used to being uh, validated and the fact that like, you're not crazy. Yeah. You're feeling it. You're not crazy, you know? Um, and, uh, that's like an oversimplification and that's not something that I would say in the session, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, but, but being, being validated and in, in the fact that like you are having this experience, so therefore it is worthy and therefore it is worth your time. Um, and it is worth my time to be here for you in that moment. Um, that alone, I mean, circling back to something, you know, we were talking about like shared experience at the beginning of this episode. Um, that alone is, is like a really huge transformational piece. Yeah. Wow. I feel like we could talk forever. We're but we're already at the last two minutes and 25 seconds of my ghetto, <laughs> my ghetto zoom recording plan. Um, so I have four questions that I typically ask every mm-hmm. guest at the end, but I'm going to ask you the, t- my two favorites. Okay. Um, and then we'll give listeners a way to connect with you, um, after that. Okay. 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 I've seri- we could schedule another call. This is like, so interesting to me. Yeah, um, sure. first question is what is something that you really love about yourself right now? Mm. <laughs> my least favorite question. I know no, I'm why it's my I'm favorite. Kidding. Um, I would say that I am asterisk trying to shamelessly water seeds of joy, like not feeling guilty about watering seeds of joy because it's really important and it really is. Um, I mean, it's necessary. What's the point of, of living without joy? Oh, I really love that. Okay. I'm sorry. I just have to pause this and send you another one because I need to hear your last answer. So listeners, I'm going to pause this, but I'll be right back in like literally two seconds. Hi, I'm back from um, my ghetto Zoom membership that I have, and I didn't want um, Lily to be cut off from um, her answer and to share with you how to connect with her um, and the awesome things that she's doing through yoga therapy. So um, you just said that something that you really love about yourself is the watering you do of watering of seeds for joy, which I love that answer. Um, and my follow-up question to that is if you could leave women with one little piece of truth today to walk away from, I always like say like a post-it note they can put on their mirror. Um, what is one thing you would want to leave them with today? Yeah. Um, so I would say the only way out is through is that's what, that's, that's what I would share. That's the nugget. That is um, good. That is a good nugget. Yeah. It's, it's not what every, it, I know it's not what I wanted to hear and it's not what I want to hear because you're never, are you ever really through? I think it just turns into a new, a new opportunity, right. Right. For uh, personal development and personal growth, but yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. It's so true though. I mean, you have to go through the hard work in order to like truly overcome and, and see the purpose in that season too. 
you know, to go back and be like, oh, hindsight is 2020. Like I can see what I can use from that season to, um, I guess, encourage others or step into my passion or my calling or yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And like, I know we're at the end, but that just really, uh, it just reminded me that like, it also hopefully, because for me, it just created like a lot of grace and spaciousness in the fact that like, we're allowed to be in process. Again, like there's nothing wrong with being in process. You have to go through it. Um, And if someone's telling you, you don't, that you can cut corners, then like they're lying. Yeah. Um, and in the reality so that just felt important to to mention is like it's okay yeah <laughs> it's okay to go through it and, and the, ra- the reality is we're always in process like we're never we never arrive and we're never complete or perfect like life is a process so to think that you can just cut corners and not heal or and heal is yeah you're right it's a lie <laughs> it's just yeah, not it's yeah. just not real Um, okay. So let our listeners know like what the best way for them to connect with you is and how they can find you. Yeah. Um, so probably the best way to connect with me is through my website and scheduling a connection call. Um, and my response time is really fast. Um, and so my website is ilmyogatherapy.com. For those of you who are listening, who are from Wilmington, that is the abbreviation for Wilmington. For those of you who are not, I do see clients virtually and still ilmyogatherapy.com. So there's a connection call form, um, just helps me get to know a little bit about you and make our connection call a little more intentional. Um, And then otherwise, I do have an Instagram um, at ilmyogatherapy. I am, uh, that is a huge learning curve for me. And so it is quality, not quantity, but it is there. (laughs) Um, so you can also find me there. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll put that, um, link to schedule a connection call with you in our show notes. So if y'all are interested in that free connection call, um, that she mentioned earlier, you can just head to the link in the show notes, wherever you're listening on Spotify or Apple or, or wherever you're listening to your podcast and it will direct you straight to that. So you have no excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lily, thank you so much for, um, joining me today. I'm so glad that Callan connected us and that I got to hear more of your story and what you're doing to help. Yeah. Well, thank you. Flew by. I know I it really like, did. I feel like we scratched the surface. I know. We'll so have to, we, seriously, we'll have to schedule another call. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'd love that. And yeah, it was really great to meet you. Awesome. Well, listeners, um, thanks for listening today. And next week, I will be solo sans guest. But the week after that, we will have a guest. So we're back on the every other week schedule of guest me, guest me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I will talk to you next week. Bye.